Amen. Well, it's good to see you this weekend, and I want to say a special welcome to any guests who might be here. In fact, I had an opportunity to meet some uh, some of our guests earlier. I thank the Lord. Uh, amen, church family. We have guests every weekend. Amen. We are so grateful that you've uh, chosen to worship the Lord together with us, and, and we pray that we'll honor that by being faithful to His Word and by truly worshiping Him, because nobody here needs New Hope Community Church. We, we all need the Lord. Amen. Amen. I do want to say happy Mother's Day to the moms, and we are so thankful for you, and we want to encourage you to stick around after the service, get your picture made with your family, and just as a gift from us to you to say how much we appreciate you, because, because we know that moms, picture's a big deal, isn't it? Amen? I mean, picture, when do you ever get a good picture with your family? So we hope that you can say, I came to church, finally got a good picture, and so hopefully it won't be too old for Christmas. If you can't get another one between now and then, you can use it for then. But uh, we're going to share a message uh, this weekend from God's Word, particularly in relationship to the topic of motherhood. Now, I want to share with you as we get started. Obviously, this is going to apply to the moms, but I want to encourage you. Let's say you're a single guy in this room. You're like, okay, I can just check out. I'm going to, I'm going to do my personal Bible study on my Bible app on my phone or whatever because this has nothing to do with me. Well, let's don't take that approach. Anytime that we open God's Word, God has a message for you. And so maybe it's to understand the great role that your mom has in your life and to leave here thanking God because He's the one who had the idea about that lady. Amen? Amen. Well, moms, have you ever felt like your work was underappreciated? Amen? Well, it turns out you might be right. I found a website this week, salary.com, figured up that if a mom was paid for what she really did, now this was in 2016, I don't know, I guess they've got the 2017 numbers yet, that she would get paid $143,102 for the year, okay? I have a check right here for my wife that we're going to present to her this weekend, all right? And by the way, all of you young people, there there are checks by the photo booth. Every person, I want to encourage you, if if your mom's here, it can even be adults. I think we've got enough for everybody. Pick up a check. It's got a place where you can sign it. Now, I did figure out that if we paid Shannon what she was worth over the time that she's been the mom in our family... We would over, owe her over $3 million. All right, so, so we're going to have to figure, we're going to have to work out a payment plan for that one. Amen. <laughs> but there's no denying the fact that being a mother is one of the most challenging, if not the most challenging assignments that anyone could ever be given by God. But even though that's true, there can also be no denying that it is one of the most important jobs in the world. Probably, possibly, the most important. And when her children grow up, she will have made one of the biggest impacts on her kids' lives that a person could ever make on another person. Isn't that an incredible statement? It is possible that at the end of your life, your mom will have made the biggest impact that another individual can make on another person's lives. Now, there's no doubt we can make the case for a dad's, dad's role being way up there. Amen? But I don't think anyone would disagree that the role of mom is at least tied for the top. And I just think because of the way she does it, 
We need to give her the edge a little bit. Amen? We need, in terms of honoring at least, we need to say, wow, mom, thank you for what you do. But even though it's very, very challenging to be a mom, when you think of it that way, it makes it a very powerful role. It makes it a very critical role in our world. And that's what we want to talk about together this weekend, the incredible impact of a godly mother. And we're going to turn to Proverbs chapter 31, verses 1 through 10. If you're not as familiar with your Bible, you would just kind of take it in the middle. If you open it approximately in the middle, you'll find the book of Psalms. Probably right after Psalms, you'll find the book of Proverbs. The very last chapter of Proverbs is Proverbs chapter 31. And we're going to look at the first 10 verses. Now, as we turn to those verses, many people recognize Psalm 31. In fact, sometimes ladies, you will hear ladies say, it is my desire, it is my goal to be a Proverbs 31 kind of lady. But when we're thinking of Proverbs 31, most people are thinking of verses 10 through 31. What we're going to focus on together this weekend is previous to that, leading up to that in verses 1 through 10. And I want us to see as we read these words, actually, the words of a son. Did you realize that a son was expressing what his mom told him about what a godly woman should look like when you've been reading what a Proverbs 31 woman is all about? And so I want to look at Proverbs 31, verses 1 and 10. The first thing I want to talk about is this. A godly mother influences her children. A godly mother is a huge influence, impact on the life of her children. Let's look at Proverbs 31, start in verse 1. It says, The words of King Lemuel, the oracle which his mother taught him. Verse 1 says, What we're reading are the words of a man named, listen, King Lemuel. Who is Lemuel? Well, the name Lemuel means for God. Actually, it can be translated, it has the sense of devoted to God. Ancient Jewish tradition says that this is actually Solomon. Solomon wrote many of the Proverbs in ancient... We don't know this for sure, so I can't say this for sure. But ancient Jewish tradition says that, that Solomon is the one who wrote Proverbs chapter 31. And some people believe that Lemuel was his nickname that his mom had given to her. Isn't that kind of interesting? Now again, I can't say that for sure, but it's kind of interesting to think of that. With with Solomon writing so many of the Proverbs, with this talking about a king, some have speculated that this was his mom's way of saying, you are my baby. You are my baby. What did I say? Lemuel can be translated, you are my baby whom I have what? Devoted to God. Every time that little boy, when he was little, would run through the house, she might, instead of calling him Solomon, if this is Bathsheba, she might have said, come here, Lemuel. Come here, my little one that's been devoted to God. And by the way, if you know the story of David and Bathsheba, his parents, you can understand why he might have been devoted to God. Because David and Bathsheba started their relationship in an immoral way. And then later, that child that was born out of their immorality actually died. And then after they lost that child, God blessed them graciously, kindly, with having another child named Solomon. And it's not too hard to imagine 
that Bathsheba might have said, you know what, I made a lot of mistakes in my life, but God has been good to me, and this son that God has given to me, I'm going to devote to the Lord. It's not hard to imagine that she might have said, you're my little Lemuel. That's kind of odd. I mean, don't name your kid Lemuel, okay? I'm just saying. It's cool in Hebrew, but it doesn't work in America. But even though we don't know who it is, we do know that this person was a what? He was a king, wasn't he? His name was King Lemuel. And as he's serving in that important role of authority over a nation, think about the influence of a mother. As he is thinking about a message to share with other people, no doubt even with his nation, when he thinks about that, he thinks back to the teaching of his mama. Wow, amen. Wow, that is strong, isn't it? That is powerful. Moms, you ought to be encouraged here. Do you realize how much influence you have on your children? In fact, in some ways that probably scares you, doesn't it? It's scary to think about that those little eyes are watching you that much. But the reality is that many times children spend much more time with their mom than anybody else in the world. Even their dads many times. So in that time they spend together, their mom is very, very influential in their lives. Moms, I want you to think about this. How your kids think is highly influenced by the impact that you make in their lives daily. Listen, what your kids value is highly influenced. They see what's important to you. They see what upsets you. They see what drives your life. Their attitude in life, their response to to the things that happen in life many times are highly, highly impacted and influenced by their mother. A mom's influence is huge, isn't it? Have you ever watched the football game? And, they, and they're kind of, they're scanning, they're scanning down the bench, you know, and everybody wants to be on TV. And people are going, number one, baby, number one, baby. Right, they say, number one. And then what's the second thing after this? They say, number one, baby. What do they say? Hi, mom, right? They better say hi, mom, right? That's the first thing that most people are going to think of in that situation. Throughout my years in ministry, I cannot tell you to the credit of moms, listen, man, Somewhat to the challenge of us men, many, many people have told me that either their mother or their grandmother made the biggest spiritual impact on their lives. Isn't that powerful? How many of us would say that? My mom is the person who showed me Jesus Christ. The first and the most, or maybe many times it is a godly God bless you, godly grandparents, grandmothers. For me, if I was to say, as I look at my life, if I was to say, God, thank you for one thing you've given me. The one thing, I've known, since I was a little boy, God's given me kind of a tender heart towards Him. I've always just wanted to have a relationship with God, to know Him, to follow Him. If I don't have anything else, God, and I pray that I keep that the rest of my life, but, but as I look at that, that tender heart that I've seen, that, that God's blessed me with, you know what? If I think about one person in my life, I can think of a couple, but if I think of one person, the person that I favor, if I have that, is my mom. My mom has always had a sensitivity to God. 
a spiritual tenderness. I can remember even at times in my life when our family did not go to church. And by the way, you guys maybe that are kind of new, I did not grow up going to church. And there's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of different... We've all got our stories. But can I just say to you, I cannot tell you how many Sundays my mom would turn on the TV and watch that TV pastor. I cannot tell you how many nights I've watched Billy Graham, my mom and I sitting and watching Billy Graham. Amen? It's a huge influence that a mom has. And as this king was ruling his kingdom, as he was fulfilling his responsibilities, as he was communicating with other people, when he thought about what should I pass on, he thought about his mother's teachings. Apparently his mom had made an incredible impact on his lives. And moms, that probably should in some way scare us to death. Amen? Wow! That is a heavy load to consider. So I encourage you to remember James chapter 1, verse 5. The Bible says, but if any of you lacks wisdom, how many of you moms would say, I ain't ready for this. Amen? I... People ask me advice about kids and everything, and I say, I, I'm, I'm not real big on giving out advice at this point because I ain't done yet, amen? I mean, I'm still learning on the go. Do you ever feel that way, moms? I mean, bless these little ones' hearts, and dads, we feel that way too, right? Bless their hearts. Y'all came way too soon. We weren't ready yet, amen? We didn't know enough. I'm just now, my kids are starting to go out. I'm like, wait, wait, I'm just now figuring some things out. Don't leave yet, Amen? You missed most of the good stuff. That's why the Bible says, but if any of you feels that way, if any of you lacks wisdom, the Bible says he is to ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach. And it, listen, it what? Will be given to him or to her. Isn't that exciting, moms? I've got a major impact, no matter who you are. If you're a leader of other people, I make a major impact impact a major influence on whoever it is in your life that you're influencing that is that is daunting that is imposing i don't know how to do this the bible promises you if you ask god he will give you what you need to do your job isn't that exciting y'all don't sound very excited a godly mother influences her kids but a godly mother cares for her children look at verse two it says the words of king lemuel the oracle which his mother taught him and then it says in verse 2, in quotes, she's beginning to speak. What, O my son? And what, O son of my womb? And what, O son of my vows? Now remember, this king is looking back. He's looking back at the things that his mother had taught him, no doubt, years ago. And apparently, he can distinctly remember. This ought to be encouraging if you're a mom. Do they ever hear a word I say? Amen. Isn't it encouraging? My mom's told me before I'll be preaching, if she watches this message, I'll be preaching sometimes. She says, Rob, you bring up things that I thought you'd never remember. It's encouraging to know that the things that I said to you made a difference and stuck. Isn't that encouraging, moms? If you want to encourage your mom, encourage what she said. Remember what she said. He could distinctly remember specific conversations where his mom said some things. And this is what she said, what, oh, my son? And what, oh, son of my woman? What, oh, son of my vows? Now, what is this mother telling us in these words? Well, first of all, she's getting his attention for something very important. She says, what, son? How many times does she say that? She says that three times. The NIV translates that 
Listen. How many times a day your mom say that? Listen, son. Listen. And I think that is the sense here. Pay attention to what I'm saying. What, it's almost uh, another translation puts it like this. What shall I say, son? What shall I say? Do you hear that heart? I want to communicate some things to you. I want to help you. I, want to, I care about you. What shall I say? It's like she's preparing to tell him something very important and she wants him to perk up and pay attention. She's also speaking to him in terms of endearment. She calls him my son. Now listen, don't, don't rush by that. If my mom said to me, hey, I love you, Rob, wouldn't that be a blessing? If she said, hey, and my mom does this actually sometimes, and it is, I haven't really thought about it until I was reading this passage. Sometimes my mom will call me son. We'll be maybe leaving, we're going for a visit, we don't get to see our family, but maybe once or at the most a couple times a year sometimes. And so when we're visiting, you know, my mom will give me a hug, say, I love you, son. Isn't that powerful? I don't know what it is different about I love you, Rob. I mean, Rob's that's a blessing too, but I love you, son. But here, she adds what? I love you what? My son. Listen, my son. Uh, pay attention, my son. I've got something I want to share with you. You're the son of my womb. Okay, what is this mom saying? You're my baby. You're my, baby, my, you're my baby boy. You came out of my body. Now, guys, we have to admit, I mean, we got some part in this deal, amen? I mean, we got some part in it, but there's something special that a mom has that we can't relate to, right? This child, this person was forming inside of her, and that's what she's expressing. You are my baby boy. You came out of my body. She's speaking to him in serious terms. In verse 1, Lemuel called this an oracle. Now that word is actually pretty common in the Old Testament. It can be translated a burden or it can be translated a load. Many times, if you read the Old Testament prophets, at the beginning of their prophecy or at the beginning of their message, they will use that term, Malachi chapter 1, verse 1. It says the oracle, the heavy message of the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. So what is that saying? An oracle is a what? Is a heavy message. It is an important message. And it even kind of leans towards, it is a heavy, important message that God has given to someone to pass on to someone else. So Lemuel is recognizing that his mom gave him a very important, heavy message that she shared with him. She said, you are the son of my vows. What is she talking about there? We don't know for sure. But it is very likely that this was referring to something like what happened in 1 Samuel chapter 1. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, we have the story of a lady named Hannah. And she has a child, and Hannah devotes her child. She dedicates her child to the Lord. Now, this is different. Sometimes today you'll see churches christen babies. Okay, many times what they're saying there is, this is, this is the, 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 at least the salvation or the beginning of this child. That is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that every one of us must make our own personal decision to receive God's offer of salvation. But as parents, we can say, the only time in my life I've ever been afraid to drive was when we brought Hannah out of the hospital. When we brought, I was, there's nuts around here. 
There's people going fast. They run red lights. I was scared to drive. Amen. I began to realize I'm responsible for Amen. And so many of us parents have dedicated our children to the Lord. That doesn't mean they're saved. That doesn't mean they have a personal relationship with God. What it means is that as parents, we're saying, God, I realize that this is a gift that you've entrusted to me, this little life, and that I'm to pour into them so that they will turn their life over to you as soon as possible in their lives. So God, really I'm dedicating who? I'm dedicating myself. Amen? I'm making a commitment, and when we do baby dedications, that's what we're doing. As a church, you commit, I commit, the parents commit. We're going to do everything we can to point this child to God. So there's a very good possibility that this mom had dedicated her child to God. She realized that this baby was on loan to her from God. And it's very possible that that's what she had done. Especially, like I said, if it was Bathsheba and the experience that she had been through, she realized what a gracious gift God had given her by giving her this son. She said, God, I want to point this child to you. What's this mom doing? She's showing her care for her son. She's saying, son, I love you. You're important to me. You're special to me. I have recognized from the beginning of your life that you are a gift from God. And it is my desire to honor God in front of you and to point you to Him as you grow up in my house. Moms, can I ask you a few questions? Do you talk to your kids like that as a mom? Do you ever get their attention and pour important things, share special things from your heart? Do you listen? Would it not be powerful if your mom said, Hey, Rob, I just want you to know that, that God has his hand on your life. I just want you to know that from the time I found out that I was having you, I had a sense that there was a special purpose for your life. God's going to use you one day, God's got plans for you. Amen. Would that not be powerful? If there is nobody else in this world that does that, most of the time that is moms, and if it should be anyone, it's so powerful coming from our moms. Do you ever tell your kids those things? That you love God. That, that you sense that, that, that God put them in your care so you could grow them up for the special plan that He has for their lives. Do you ever discipline your children? Now listen... The word discipline, I think, is sometimes misused most of the time. The word discipline is not... We we try to think of that as punishment. Or we try to think of that in harsh terms. Discipline is really, in the best situation, is just guiding back to right behavior. Do you hear me? It's encouraging. Discipline is bringing into... So God has a path that He wants us to get on. And so when we get off of that, sometimes we need to be disciplined... We need to be brought back into the place that God wants us to be. Listen, we are as a society moving more and more away from discipline. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6, whom the Lord loves, He disciplines. It is an indicator that you are a child of God and that He loves you, that He gives you instruction, that He doesn't allow you to do what you want to do. Amen? That is an indication that we are a child of God. When we don't give our kids that kind of instruction, it actually shows our children that we don't love them. Which is kind of strange, isn't it? 
I think some parents are afraid my kids won't like me or my kids won't, you know, my my kids are not going to be happy with me. Friends, listen, we need to realize our role in life is not necessarily to be our kids' buddies. I want to be close to my kids. I want in some ways for them to be uh, Shannon and my best friends. Amen? To enjoy life together, to do ministry together, all those kind of things. But ultimately, I have a role in their life that I have to play that has been given to me by God. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 15 says, The rod and reproof give, give wisdom, but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. Are you caring for your kids? Telling them about your heart for God for them. Sharing with them the, the special plan that God has for life. And when they're getting outside of that, I'm not talking about manipulation. I'm not talking about controlling their lives. I'm talking about shepherding them in the direction that God says He has for them and then letting God develop that within those parameters that He's made for their life. That's what we're talking about. Sometimes it's easy to get off track, isn't it? Amen? Maybe the reason God brought you here this weekend is because, honestly, Mom, maybe you're just tired. Amen? Maybe you're just worn out. Life is complicated. Life is busy. This might be the only time today that you've sat still, if you're a mom. This might be the only time, and right now your your mind's going a thousand miles a minute. This might be the only time this week that you've sat still. And it is so easy to get off track. So God's purpose is not to shame us, not to guilt us, but to challenge us and to encourage us that we have a huge amount of power in shaping these young lives. Moms, can I ask you, to ask yourself a question that I think of many times. 20 years from now, what do you want your kids to say about you? Have you ever thought of that? Maybe that's why God brought you to church right now. Because I don't come up with that stuff. I need to be challenged to think about it. You know what that is? That's, that's just vision. Vision is seeing a preferred future and helping other people to get there. And so you're just, as a mom, having a vision for, what is it? And, and there may be nobody that can be closer to God's vision for your children. Now, moms, we need to be careful about that because sometimes we can hover over them a little bit too much, right? We've got to give room for God to do that work. But there may be a sense in which nobody gets that sense as great as a mom does. So you can have that vision for what God may be up to in your child's life and help shepherd them in that direction. Think about that. What do I want my kids to say at their wedding about me and what I did in their lives. Amen? So we've talked about the fact that a mother influences her children, a mother cares for her children, but that care is going to lead a mother to teach her children. Let's look at verses 3 through 10 of Proverbs chapter 31. So he's remembering this important message that his mom had for him. She's getting his attention because she cares for her son. Then she says, starting in verse 3, Do not give your strength to women. Do not give your ways to that which destroys kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings, O devoted one to God. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to desire strong drink. For they will drink and forget what is decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to him who is perishing 
and give wine to him whose life is bitter. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his trouble no more. Then in verse 8, she says, Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all the unfortunate. Open your mouth, son. Judge righteously and defend the rights of the afflicted and needy. And then in verse 10, she transitions to the passage that many of us are familiar with. An excellent excellent wife who can find for her worth is far above rubies. I'm sure this mom taught her son many things, but he gives us here what seems to be a summary of some of the most important lessons. So this can be a help to you as a mom. What are some things that I need to be teaching my children? It can be a help to all of us as children. What are some things I can recognize and remember that my mom taught me? Or maybe if your mom didn't teach you, God's given you some of that motherly influence in His Word that you can pay attention to and listen to and respond to right now. She taught him, first of all, about leadership. I love this. Moms are leader makers. Amen? She taught him how to be a king. She taught him how to be a leader. It's emphasized all throughout these verses. Son, this is what some people do. But if you want to be a king, if you want to be a leader, you can't do those things. This mom expected her son to be a great man. And she did everything she could to help make him one. Now listen, let's be careful about that. Again, we've got to be very careful that we don't let our nature come in. We can't control. We can't, oh, I've got it all figured out. I'm going to kind of make it all. I'm going to kind of you know, herd it all in the direction that I think it should go. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a godly mom who knew the Lord, who knew His Word, and did everything she could to guide her son in that strong direction. Do your children, moms and dads, see and hear from you an expectation from you that you believe that God has something great for their lives and that you challenge them to shoot for that. We're not shooting for average. We're not shooting for just getting by. We're not shooting for just make it. Now listen, whatever's your best is your best. Amen? It's like I like to say about our media here at our church. We don't have the best, like MTV, or like a concert that you might go to, but we're going to give the Lord our best, right? That's what we're talking about. A mom who said, son, God's got a purpose for you, and I'm encouraging you to shoot for this. She taught him about leadership, but in regards to that, she taught him about good decision making. Look at verses 3 through 7. She warns him about some dangers for a leader. First of all, in verse 3, she warns him about bad relationships. She warned him, son, the downfall of many great men has been their relationships with the wrong women. And by the way, if this was Solomon, surely his mom saw that this was going to be a potential threat for his life because his father had struggled with that. And by the way, she knew that well because she had been the woman that he had struggled with. Maybe if she had seen Solomon grow up a little bit, Solomon, if you read the story, had a penchant for really liking relationships with women. She had at least seen what her decision and David's decision 
consequences that that had brought. She warned him, son, be careful. Not about women, but be careful about the wrong women in your life. And that danger is still destroying leaders today, whether it's men or women. Bad relationships, immorality, destroys the ability many times for God to work mightily. If you think about it, even think about it from pastor's point of view, what usually kills a pastor's ministry? It is either something involving immorality or money, right? She talks to him about relationships, but then she talks to him, interestingly, about alcohol in verses 4 through 7. Do you notice she really kind of digs into that? She really kind of stays on that a little bit? It's amazing to me how much we downplay alcohol today. But listen to this wise mom and what she tells her child. She says, son, it is not for kings. It is not for leaders of others to drink wine or strong drink. Now, there's a lot that we could say about this subject of alcohol. And if you're interested, I've preached a couple of messages over the last 15, 16 years. You can go and look those up. But the point that the Bible makes here is that if you want to be a leader, it's not for you. Verse 5 says, leaders have too much responsibility to lose any wisdom. Amen? I'm a leader. I'm looking for wisdom. I'm not looking to give some away. Amen? I think I'll just be dumb today. I think I'll be under the influence of something that I can't control myself. That's not a good plan. Amen? Listen to the statement. If alcohol is not for kings, then maybe it's not for me and my family. Because in a sense, aren't we all leaders? Aren't we all a kingdom of priests to our God? This this mom says to her son, if you want to raise kings and queens, keep it away. And yet we see it differently today. Friends, listen. We see alcohol as something very sophisticated. Listen to Proverbs chapter 23. Now listen to these verses. I always think it's interesting in the Bible how the Bible anticipates things that we might say. Proverbs 23, because God kind of knew the end from the beginning, right? It says, who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaining? Who has wounds without cause? Okay, that means who got hurt and it doesn't make sense how they got hurt. Aren't these good questions? Don't read it yet. Don't read it yet. (laughs) Who's got problems? Who's got difficulty in their life? Who's got things that are wrong in their life and they're not even sure how it happened in the first place? Man, I want to know the end of that. Amen. Who does? Who does? Because I don't want to go there. It says, those who linger long over wine. Those who go to taste mixed wine. Listen, do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. When I read those verses, you know what I see? I see someone with a wine glass going. (laughs) I understand there must be something wonderful about that. There must be. I don't know if it makes us feel sophisticated, but friends, listen, it's just grape juice. All right, it's just grape juice. If you're dying to have grape juice, Welch's is all up the aisle. Amen? <laughs> what is it? Listen, the Bible says, don't be a connoisseur. Oh, this is, hmm, 
man, this is, this is a 1958 whatever, you know. <laughs> the Bible says that is, listen, I know I'm kind of joking. I'm not trying to be ugly. But I'm trying to, I'm trying to share in a way that we'll think. Have we been affected by our culture or are we being taught by God's Word? God's Word is saying, don't be. Don't, don't know that that's a rich color. Don't know that that's just right. Don't be a connoisseur of fine wine. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 22, it says, Woe to those who are heroes in drinking wine. Woe to those who are valiant men in mixing strong drink. The Bible says don't smell it. Don't look at it. Don't enjoy it. Because the Bible says it's like playing with fire. Literally, the image that it gives here is a serpent. It's like a snake. I do not know one mom that would let loose a snake in her house. Amen? Moms are very averse to snakes, right? Why would we let one snake loose in our house? Can I give you a phrase that I heard when I was a youth pastor that really spoke to me as a parent? What parents tolerate their kids will embrace. I don't want my kids. I'm just, honestly, I've shared with you before. Could I drink a beer? Probably. Could I have a glass of wine? Probably. Would it kill anybody? Probably not. Although, from what I understand, one out of ten people automatically have a predisposition to become an alcoholic with one drink. But could I handle it? Probably. But one out of ten people that I have in my house... Or one out of ten kids that I have, proportionally, is automatically, if they try it, going to be an alcoholic. It's, I just tell my kids, guys, you're going to learn as you step out into the world. Listen, there's, there's either one of two things going to happen. You're going to pat mom and dad on the head and say, y'all sure are cute. Y'all, you know, the whole no alcohol thing, you sure are cute. That's sweet mom and dad, but y'all don't know how everybody else is. Guys, we know what most of the world is doing, and we've just said, it's not worth it to us. It's just, I, there, there's got to be something that tastes just as good as beer or wine that I can enjoy and not risk my family's health. Moms, I'm not saying you're the worst person in the world if you have a glass of wine before bed. I'm just saying, give it some consideration, because I don't know a mom that would bring just one snake in our house. Verses 6-7 through seven either tells us sarcastically or it may be said, give wine to someone who's perishing. Somebody doesn't care about their life, give strong drink to that person. It could be saying that or it could be saying basically the medicinal value of alcohol. Back during that day, that might have been their painkiller if someone was about to die. Okay, graciously give them a little alcohol as a painkiller. But again, while this mom is touching on some specifics like alcohol and relationships, in general, she's just teaching her son, son, if you want to be a leader, you've got to make good decisions. And then she talked about compassion. This mom was teaching her son. She said, son, treat other people right. She challenged her son to be a person. Friends, listen, some of us parents do a lot of what not to do, right? That's not a good plan. Did you know in the, in, the, in, the, in the garden there was only one thing not to do? There was a world of possibilities. Now, we live in a fallen world where there's a lot of not-to-dos now that can hurt us, but there ought to be a lot more world of possibilities. So 
when you're saying be careful about some things, say because God's protecting your life so that you can do some great things. And what he says in verses 8 through 9 is you ought to be sticking up for people who cannot speak up for themselves. You be the voice. If someone is mute, what does that mean? They can't talk. You be the voice for people who cannot defend themselves. She knew that if he was going to become a man of influence, he might become proud, right? He might think he was something. It might all become about him, that he's above other people. She knew that he should use that influence to help other people, not to hurt other people. Son, if God has given you the ability to help those who can't help themselves, then you need to help them. Have compassion for other people. Then number four, she taught him about relationships. Now that's where, listen, Proverbs 31, the Proverbs 31 wife, the Proverbs 31 woman, verses 10 through 31. So I just read verse 10. We're not going to have time to read all that. It's one of the greatest descriptions of a godly woman in all the Bible. And by the way, you may not know this, but it's, it's, it's arranged in an alphabetical order. Each letter of the Hebrew alphabet starts in sequence, and we don't have, they don't have A, B, C, D, but if you just sort of see it that way, the first line would have been starting with an A, the second line would have been starting with a B, the third line would have been starting with a C. This lady is basically saying, son, these are the ABCs of how to look for a wife. If you want to look for a godly woman, these are some of the things that you ought to look for. Now, I know you ladies... If you've ever read this before, it's like, my goodness. This lady's like, you know, a cross between eight different superheroes. Amen? Many times we read the Bible just to understand, you know what? I am not perfect. I can't do everything. But we've said many times before, just because I can't do everything doesn't mean I can't do something. Just because I'm not the model doesn't mean I can't move more in that direction with God's help. Amen? So let's don't let the enemy take away God's Word, the power of God's Word. It's not saying be perfect, ladies. It's saying here are the kind of things that a godly woman does, so let that be a guide to you as you're growing. And read those verses instead of letting the enemy guilt you into, well, I'm not like that, I'm such a loser. Let God challenge you which part of that is the area that he's growing me in right now? Amen? How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. How do you become a godly woman? One verse and Proverbs 31 at a time. Amen, ladies? Amen. Great advice, isn't it? For all of us. Be a leader. Don't let anything in this world get control of your life. Be a voice or a friend to those who are in need. And be smart about the kind of person you're going to share your life with. Moms, I hope that message is both encouraging to you and I hope it's also challenging to you. The world wants to say, wants for ladies to think that they should despise that role. Wow, what would this world be without our moms? Amen. Would you stop for just a moment?
and just thank the Lord for your mom. Would you bow your head just do that for a moment? God, thank you for my mom. Now listen, the enemy's going to want to take that pretty quickly and show all the faults of your mom. If all your mom did was give you birth, thank the Lord for her. Amen? I'm not trying to make light of it, but I'm just saying, let's find a reason to praise the Lord. What are the things your mom did right? What are the things you learned about life? Because of your mom. If there are a lot of negatives, okay. Between you and the Lord, would you say, God, I want to pray for my mom right now. Because she's just like me. She's just a human being trying to walk through this world trying to find her way, hopefully trying to live for you. If your mom doesn't know the Lord, will you pray for her right now? Would you pray that she would come to know the Lord? Would you pray that God might give you the privilege of leading her to the Lord? God, help me to look for opportunities to bless my mom, to point her to you, to thank her. If I've despised her role or even her, God, forgive me. Help me to find the good that you gave through her. At the very least, friend, she gave birth to you. Thank God for that. As we all worship the Lord right here and thinking about our moms and praying for them, If you are a mom, would you just let this wash over you? Dear God, I can't do this. I knew I couldn't, but now, man, this is even more than I thought. Listen, friends, God works through real people. He doesn't work through superheroes. He works through somebody like you. He knew you were going to have your family. You are exactly the right person to raise those children. You have everything you need in Christ to be all that they need. Would you receive that right now? God, I need your wisdom. I need your strength. God, daily, I need to come to you. I need to seek you for these kids. Mom, if you don't, if you don't even know the Lord yourself, that's the best, the first and best thing you can do for yourself and for your kids. Would you ask the Lord right now, dear Jesus, would you come into my life and be my personal Savior? I cannot do this without you, God. Thank you for saving me. Help me to grow in you, Lord, so I can be all that you've called me to be. God, thank you that mom was your idea. Help us to worship you for her and for her role. This is our prayer in Jesus' name.